Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So, as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. Happy Tuesday for everyone listening. I want to get right into something, which is the Super Bowl concert that was Rihanna. And I was just looking for top stories today and happened to find one where apparently Trump was just bashing Rihanna Mm. on Truth Social. And I'm just like, where do these men get the audacity, you know? Well, that has been a science project for all women across all time for pretty much eternity. And somehow there have been no leads on where the audacity is located Mm-mm. where the origin and how it can be stopped. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's the biggest concern. Right. It's how can we stop it? Yeah. And put it back in its box, tie it up, yeah. bury it, you know, burn the audacity. Especially, off. you know, the question of where does Trump get his audacity is, is it is many tears even above this conversation that about men in so, general, but this man who was once our president, where he gets his audacity is, you know, a question that is going to haunt humanity oh, look, for the rest of eternity. I think there's different audacity stores, probably, you know, and, you know, you can kind of you can go at different levels, you know, buy your own custom package. And his was gilded in gold, like that toilet, like the golden toilet from TBT mm-hmm. Times. Did you watch? No, I and this is nothing to do with Rihanna. Love her. Love her. Saw some of the clips obsessed, absolute queen. I just, well, I will say this. I am not, we know I'm not a football f- like fan at all. Like sure can't aren't. stand it for sure. And no hate, like if you're into it, by all means, do your thing. But I just realized like a few years ago, I've been to so many Super Bowl parties, Super Bowl hangs, Super Bowl watches over the years. And I am always so bored and so annoyed by being so bored. It just doesn't excite me. And I think that there's just like this time in life where you just become comfortable with like not paying attention or participating yeah, in things participating. that you just don't like love. Long story I short, it. I think the lesson is though, is just like, if you're, you always try something once, but if you go to, for example, Super Bowl parties year in and year out, and you're continuously annoyed by or not having a fun time, don't subject yourself to the torture of doing something you don't want to do. Like know your boundaries, know your lines. That's mine. So there is there your it mental is. health moment of the day. Yep. Um, I respect how you feel. I personally, I do, I do like football season. I like watching football. I, you know, the Super Bowl, the Rihanna of it all was the only part that was exciting to me. That football, I genuinely couldn't care less about, given the fact that the 49ers weren't weren't in it, and neither of these teams excited me. In fact, they both annoy the shit out of me. Ooh. So it was just a Rihanna day for me, and I couldn't have been more excited for that performance. And I'm just really proud of her for 
stepping out after seven years of not performing and coming out pregnant, shocking us all. So just such an icon and such an icon. just goes to show that women can do everything and anything. Also, did you see the memes that were making fun of like the people in white that kind of look like Michelin men, but like also like the spy balloons? Oh, yes. I was. Yeah. I also have like, this one of the Barstool guys called him like sperm, sperm dancers. Yeah. <laughs> they totally are. <laughs> the other funny meme that I saw just about Rihanna being pregnant was because she literally just had her first baby. And that's why it was so shocking. Like, oh. First of all, she's pregnant again. That makes sense. But like she's pretty seemingly far along. And somebody made like a meme. They're like, that's why they call me Sap Rocky. <laughs> I died at that. It's so good. He also, uh, I will say, I did see a clip of him like in the audience just being so cute. So cute. Just, just such a proud. Well, you know what we love here at Girl on the Gov are purse holders. Men mm-hmm. who are willing to stand on the sidelines and root their woman on. And Aesop Rocky is is clearly one of those. And we just can't, we can't help but absolutely stand. Okay, well, first of all, amen to that. But did you see, I can't believe I didn't send this to you. Not skinny, not fat. That podcaster, Amanda Hirsch, I think her name is. I always mess it up. Anyways, she's really funny. And she's really into pop culture, Kardashians, all that stuff. And I guess she reposted, Chris Brown posted on his story, like, go girl heart. No, he didn't. Dead serious. It just like... Again, where do uh, these men get the audacity? I just... I'll never know. Right? Like, what audacity store is that? Close it down. Shut it down. That's one of those ones where it's like, you know, when like an ex just pops back in and says something that's like nice and supportive or whatever. But you're like, I know this is mm-hmm, this it's is a trap. Just, this is all about you at the end of the day. Totally. Totally. You know? I just, yeah, I can't. Absolute ick. Absolute ick. Chris Brown is the ickiest of them all. Moving on to these top stories mm. of the week. Let's get into it because we have some more updates on these weird ass objects floating through the sky and being shot down by our government some balloons some not it's just a lot of question marks and so these are this is a little bit about that as well as the knowns and unknowns of all of these situations so three more objects were shot down by the u.s military over the weekend after officials said they posed a threat to civilian airspace the remarkable development came roughly one week after the U.S. shot down a Chinese surveillance balloon off the coast of South Carolina days after it was first reported to be hovering over the continental United States. President Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on Saturday authorized the mission and Biden ordered a U.S. military to send an F-22 fighter jet to take the object down in Canadian territory. While U.S. officials have disclosed some information about the latest objects taken out of the sky, there are still major gaps in what even the government has learned about them and communicated publicly. So here is what is known about the object shot down over the weekend and what is still unknown. Okay, so to kick it off, the knowns that we know mm-hmm. are that are as follows. Friday, the U.S. military took down an object off of the northern coast of Alaska on Friday afternoon. The, quote, high-altitude object was over Alaska at 40,000 feet, and it was shot down at Biden's direction on Friday afternoon. National Security Spokesman John Kirby confirmed at a press briefing that day. The object, which was described as much smaller than the Chinese spy balloon, landed in in U.S. waters after a F-22 fired in AIM-9X, triggering me to my childhood, Sidewinder missile to take it down. Officials have not said... A Sidewinder? 
just got the AIM 9X Sidewinder. It sounds like a weird, like a dance move that a fifth grader would do. Anyways, Anyways, to go on. The Sidewinder missile took it down. Officials have not said where the object originated from. So that was one chunk, one chunk of the knowns that we have. The second one was Saturday. The military on Saturday then shut down an unidentified cylindrical. 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 Cylindrical (laughs) object over frozen territory in northern Canada. Trudeau on Saturday authorized the mission and Biden ordered the the U.S. military to send a F-22 fighter jet to take the object down in Canadian territory. Officials said this object also did not resemble the Chinese spy balloon and avoided calling it a balloon. However, a Canadian defense official on Saturday did refer to it as a balloon, saying the instructions were that, quote, whoever had the first and best shot to take out the balloon had the go ahead. Third chunk of the knowns is from Sunday. On Sunday afternoon, military shot down an unidentified aircraft over Lake Huron, which stretches from Michigan to Ontario, Canada. The object was first detected over Montana on Saturday and was shot down with a F-16 fighter jet. The Federal Aviation Administration briefly closed some airspace over Lake Michigan earlier on Sunday to, quote, support Department of Defense activities. The agency said in a statement to The Hill, the airspace has since been reopened. So that's what I would just like to say. Absolutely do not go like paragliding or whatever these days. I've seen like, I've seen that too. People are like, yeah, don't skydive. That's what I was thinking of skydiving, not paragliding. Paragliding is something when you jump off mountain and just glide through the air. No, thank you. Either way. Literally no, thank you. Yeah, both are a big no, thank you for Mm me. But yeah, those are the things that we know so far. So here are the unknowns. First question, where are these coming from and who is responsible? So some of the most basic information about the objects shot down over the weekend is still unknown, including who was operating them and what their purpose was. Part of the issue is that officials have not been able to recover debris yet from the objects shot down in recent days. The other big question mark is, are objects flying in our skies a new phenomenon? So it does not appear that balloons or other objects entering the U.S. airspace is a brand new development, though the response of shooting them down has been. A Pentagon official told reporters after the first surveillance balloon was shot down on February 4th that Chinese spy balloons had transited U.S. airspace, quote, at least three times during the prior administration and once that we know of at the beginning of this administration, but never for this duration of time. So there's that. And then the other unknown, the question mark is, does the U.S. fly objects over other countries? So China on Monday claimed more than 10 U.S.-controlled balloons flew into Chinese airspace in the last year, an assertion White House officials forcefully rejected. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson did not provide any details about the incursions or how China responded. Kirby on Monday said China's claim was absolutely not true. And then the other big unknown and question mark that we all have is how much of a threat is this? So that's where we are on this story. But it's quite an interesting one and one that I genuinely couldn't have written up of something we would be reporting on. But no, here we are. Like, did not have this on my 2023 bingo word. Literally. I... You know, and this is one of those things where besides that, okay, like maybe we weren't in the space to predict or whatever, but I think like even from like a voter perspective, if we pull this into uh, what's going to happen with Biden in 2024 and those things, like 
between this, the document situation, there are these things that like if I were, if we were circa October 2022, I could not have foreseen these things popping in and therefore like influencing how we view him, how we view the administration. And this goes for like everyone else too. And I just, I think that's just such a classic thing, not just with the Biden administration, not just, you know, Trump, like all administrations ever. Like we can think we have and I guess maybe politics in general, we can think we have such a good understanding of where things are and where they're going to go. And next thing you know, motherfucking plot twist. Yeah, like, like this is not the thing that I it. thought, you know, no. the people were going to be judging Joe Biden on, like mm-hmm. in this time when he is potentially about to announce his his run for re-election, his dealing with the unidentified objects in the sky. Like, I didn't know that was going to be a piece of this puzzle, you know? Yeah. And I just love the Hill had like some headline that was like White House confirms unidentified objects are not of alien descent or something like that. And I was just like absolutely losing it because, look, I whatever, just the sometimes it's just the verbiage of it that just kills me. Anyways, I heard that they aren't ruling that out. Wait, stop. I mean, I only read the headline, so. No, it's but like, I know that the White House, I'm pretty sure the White House just came out in their press briefing and said it's not UFO or extraterrestrial. But I just think, you know, our government is known to cover up all that shit because they don't want to freak the public out. So I can just be more. Yeah, of that. which is fair. I'm I'm happy to live in denial of anything in that category. I am just <laughs> 10 out of 10 happy, happy to live in. Yeah, you're like ignorance of fully bliss. bliss when it comes to no. UFOs. Fully. One of my best friends is like, so actually two of my best friends and they're also best friends are super into space and like one even works for like a space related company like they're so into it and which like i look we love a science girly absolutely love it but i am like guys just like i i need to live in denial of all things don't tell me anything if there's a new report out read it talk amongst yourselves i am gonna be over here in denial is just happening like, I don't yeah. want to know. I'll deal with the, the traumas on planet Earth first. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's but again, That's all, all the people like be into it. I just I'm protecting my my peace. Mm-hmm. Of course, as you, you should. know, you're setting those boundaries, you know. Exactly. But what a mental health podcast this is today. Yeah, Mental health moment. Second one of the day. You're welcome. There it is. There, there it is. is. Well, OK. Moving right along to a very disturbing story out of Ohio that has been gaining traction over the last few weeks and really was not getting the news attention that it deserves and honestly wasn't really coming across many of our readers either. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about the train derailment in Ohio. So days after crews released and burned toxic chemicals transported by a wrecked train in Ohio, residents remain concerned about the toxic toxic substances that would be lingering in their evacuated neighborhoods. About 50 cars, including 10 carrying hazardous materials, derailed into a fiery crash on Friday in East Palestine, according to rail operator Norfolk Southern, the National Transportation Safety Board. Vinyl chloride was slowly released into the air from five of those cars before crews ignited it to get rid of the highly flammable toxic chemicals in a controlled environment, creating a dark plume of smoke. Residents in the immediate area there and nearby in Pennsylvania were evacuated beforehand because of health risks from the fumes and can't yet return as of Wednesday. The impact of burning vinyl chloride is a concern. So what is vinyl chloride? The gas is used to make 
polyvinyl chloride, hard plastic resin and plastic products. It is found in products such as credit cards, furniture. See, I knew credit cards were a bad thing. Furniture, car parts, but is most notably used in PVC plastic piping, a common material for plumbing. Okay, so now that we have that set up, or now that we have that background, residents who residents there have now filed a federal lawsuit and are seeking to force Norfolk Southern to set up health monitoring for residents in both states. Side note, by the way, Norfolk Southern is worth billions, billions of dollars. So just keep that in mind. I also will just before I even continue talk about this. I literally did not realize that railroad barons were still a thing until the negotiations this fall with rail workers. And this is just like such a good example of railroad barons still being a thing. So I guess we're still in 18, 19, oh, whatever. Anyways, I digress. Lawsuit filed Thursday by two Pennsylvania residents calls for the rail operator to pay for medical screenings and related care for anyone living within a 30-mile radius of the derailment to determine who is affected by toxic substances released after the derailment. The lawsuit is also seeking undetermined damages. Environmental regulators have been monitoring the air and water in surrounding communities and have said so far the air quality remains safe and drinking water supplies have not been affected. Some residents have complained about headaches and feeling sick, sick since the derailment. Norfolk Southern declined to comment on the lawsuit. So now let's talk about the ecological fallout. Environmental, remedi oh my God. environmental remediation work was ongoing, Norfolk Southern reported last week, along with air, soil, water monitoring in coordination with state and federal agencies. Regulators have said that so far the air quality remains safe and drinking water supplies have not been affected in surrounding communities. Why do I doubt that? I do but in 10 days, yeah, but in 10 days since the disaster, a number of troubling reports have emerged. Some residents have spoken of headaches and feeling sick, according to the Associated Press. East Palestine resident he Melissa Henry told AP how she had taken her two sons to her parents' house outside of the evacuation zone after her youngest boy's eyes turned red as a tomato and he was coughing a lot. One resident in the town of North Lima, around 10 miles from the train derailment, reporting that her six chickens died in the days after the fire. It was not the only report of sick animals. Taylor Holzer, a registered fox keeper who lives outside the evacuation perimeter, told WKBM that all of his foxes were sick and one had died. Dead fish were also observed floating in local streams. A legal notice sent to the train operator by the EPA contained further details of contamination. Environmental activist Aaron Brockovich criticized the EPA and state lawmakers for telling people it was safe to return to their homes, at the same time sending a legal notice to the rail operator over the threat of environmental contamination. This is why people don't trust the government, she tweeted on Monday. You cannot tell people that there has been and continues to be hazardous pollutants contaminating the environment, while at the same time saying all is well. Amen to that. Amen to that. Not I'm to curious. mention they arrested a journalist at a press conference the other day related to this. Oh, really? Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is an important thing to highlight because it's definitely one of those stories that it's just kind of like corruption at its finest, you know, yeah. and just sweeping shit under the rug and hoping people don't notice or don't know what's going on in terms of the story. And then like, especially because it's probably going to be something that's going to affect this community for years and years to come. Yeah. You know, there's there's many places across the country where there is a nuclear plant or something nearby a neighborhood and the surrounding the surrounding community has the highest rates of cancer. Or, you know, there's so many communities like that across the country. And it's because of kind of like negligence as far as how to hand, handle and Toxic deregulation and deregulation yeah totally and apparently this particular train line had one it had gone down to only having two people on trains and had previously 
stated that they wanted to make these trains, which can run up to like two miles in length, only have one engineer on them at a time. Like, because yeah. that's going to save them so much money when they're already making billions of dollars. That's worth mm-hmm. like poisoning all these people in our land when something goes wrong and things continually do go wrong because that's just what happens. Yeah. And one that hopefully we can continue to keep people updated on, just especially for accountability's sake. And yeah, just absolutely wild and pretty tragic, especially I'm just... So there's just no way that you could like be someone that lives there and look at that and be like, oh yeah, like these toxic chemicals were just released everywhere in into the air and then obviously are going to contaminate things. Let me just hop back to my house there and hang out and go about yeah. life. But there's no, but like you also can't, those people then can't aren't just going to be able to, there. no, but you can't even then sell that property. Imagine them being like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to sell my land to someone else. It's going to be like, oh yeah, great. Let me just go to a toxic waste like land. Perfect. Right. Totally. Exactly. And I'm not sure what, you know, the tax bracket of this town in Ohio is, but, you know, regardless, I think you're right. It's like, even if you do want to move, if you even have the ability to move with whatever job you have or, you know, family and kids in school, just all the barriers of moving and how hard that is, period. But imagine, you know, you can't really sell your house and nobody's going to go buy a house in toxic land. And when things like this happen again, it really has detrimental effects for like decades to come. Super, super problematic. And hopefully there is accountability here and this company pays the big bucks over to the people in the community to help them through this time. So we'll see. Moving on to the next story. Biden fires architect of Capitol after backlash of a report that found abuse of office. So President Biden fired architect of the Capitol, Brett Blanton, on Monday, a White House official told The Hill, following outrage over an inspector general report that found Blanton misused a government vehicle and allegedly impersonated a law enforcement officer. Oh, quote, after doing our due diligence, the architect of Capitol was was terminated at the president's direction, the official said. The president's move comes just hours after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called for Bland to step down or be removed by Biden. House Administration Committee Chairman Brian Steele and ranking member Joseph Morrell had also called for the resignation of the architect of the of the Capitol, who oversees the Capitol's complexes, building, maintenance, preservation, and development. If you're wondering what the architect of the Capitol is, of course, my you know, mind I was straight to did this guy build the Capitol? Pretty sure Joel didn't tell us about him on our Capitol tour. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we really, I mean, that would be a blast from the past. Then we'd have to yeah. talk about, do we believe in ghosts or not on this podcast? Literally. Yeah, truly. So what the White House earlier this month was asked about the Inspector General report. Biden's press secretary said at the time Biden was, quote, taking this very seriously and would, quote, take any advice of the members of Congress or any action that they want to take very seriously. I feel like that didn't make much sense, but whatever. Only the president has the authority to fire the architect of the Capitol. A little civic lesson for everybody. How? <laughs> Blanton was nominated by former President Trump to a 10-year term as architect of the Capitol and was confirmed by the Senate in December 2019. Now it Thanks. makes a little more sense. Now it's flicking. Mm-hmm. That checks. The Inspector General report released in October found that Blanton and his family had misused architect of the Capitol vehicles intended for home-to-work 
use as personal vehicles, resulting in nearly $14,000 worth of inappropriate costs. Additionally, Blanton had been improperly identified as an off-duty police officer during an incident in which he chased down a hit-and-run that happened outside his residence. He had denied misrepresenting himself as law enforcement, saying that it was a mistake on part of the Fairfax County Police after Blanton identified himself as, quote, Capitol Police Board member. Blanton, as architect of the Capitol, is one of three members of the Capitol Police Board, which oversees the U.S. Capitol Police. Blanton was grilled last week by the House Administration Committee on the report. Another story I just, like, didn't didn't see for didn't have on the bingo card you know no because this is one of those roles look i love when we get to illuminate roles that like honestly i didn't even know existed no this is something new every day a thousand percent this is i mean i'm sure he doesn't think this role is obscure i'm sure that people in this orbit don't think it's obscure it's obscure (laughs) but this is obscure (laughs) this is an obscure role of government and (laughs) it cannot be underestimated no it's but there is also like something so like I can visually see this entire chase going down, like him robocopping, you know what I mean? Or mock-copping, chasing yeah. out this hit run. Yeah, like totally. Also could see this, like Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans like seeing this and being like, wow, what a civil servant. Like what a good Samaritan for like chasing down this hit and run. You know, it's like funny that he they got that they're blasting it. I don't know why. I just feel like that'd be on brand of them to be like. Yeah, no, you're so right. It's a right. real That real tells hero. me that there must be something else to this that we just don't know. That I mean, I don't know, maybe, you know, McCarthy's just doing something. Maybe there's just like more. For the right reason. Kind of like little things. Yeah, it's like, but it's like funny because, yeah. you know, you you come after this guy, but then like George Santos is still, still in your party sitting, sitting in the house. So it's just... It's interesting where where they draw the line. I I do but agree with that. There must be yeah a bunch of like kind of or there must honestly, be an, an accumulation of abuses of office and like these are the two main ones. But it's just like this guy just clearly sucks at his job and is abusing. And also, power, so. I think sometimes it's like a good example of like someone just doesn't like someone. You know, mm, like true. Santos. Like there's a benefit to McCarthy not pushing him out just in terms of number of votes. But like here, like what is? Well, I guess there's also like no political implications if they get rid of this guy. Like nobody cares. Right. So it's like, okay, yeah, he abuses office by versus Santos. It's like, no, then you'd lose a body in your right. majority. So just, just more politicking for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was anyways, interesting. Interesting one for sure. Yeah, the architect of the Capitol. Well. Again, you learn something new every day. Now, speaking of learning something new every day, we have to go over to Georgia and get into this story. And this is a classic. We'll keep you updated. So I don't know. What is this? Part five million of this story at this point? Part five million and one. Yeah. Perfect. Glad we're counting. So Georgia judge orders limited release of grand jury report on Trump election interference. A Georgia judge on Monday, aka today, ordered the release of limited portions of a report from a grand jury tasked with reviewing election interference in 2020 as former President Trump sought to reverse his loss in the state. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, who is overseeing the grand jury's work, declined to fully release the grand jury report, which is expected to include charging recommendations. Intriguing. Instead, he ordered the release of three portions of the report on Thursday. 
McBurney's decision largely sided with an argument from Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, who pledged to soon make charging decisions and said the report's release would create challenges for future defendants to get a fair trial. Jurors involved in crafting the report previously determined it should be released to the public. There were no lawyers advocating for any targets of this investigation. McBurney wrote in an eight-page decision noting that the process is entirely appropriately a one-sided exploration. Interesting. No, I just, I know I've said this before, but I just think that government documents, the way that they're, um, like, tabbed in and the way the fonts go make them so much longer than they need to be. And I just want to know, is this a government eight-page or is this, like, a standard MLA? You know? Very valid question. Those questions, right? But nonetheless, for another quote, potential future defendants were not able to present evidence outside the scope of what the district attorney asked them. They're not able to call their own witnesses who might rebut what other state witnesses have said, and they had no ability to present mitigating evidence. Put differently, there was very limited due process in this process for those who might be named as indictment-worthy final report. Nothing like a double process situation there. It's a real tongue twister. The release will include the introduction and conclusion of the report, as well as the section discussing concern that some witnesses may have lied under oath. That section of the report does not identify any witnesses. Willis's case is seen as one of the most promising pathways for an eventual prosecution of Trump, a.k.a. Maddie's dream, who, mm. in a phone call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, asked him to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. You know, this story, again, like you said, such a classic, we'll keep you updated moment, and one that I read through, and this last bullet was enough for me to be like, we need to talk about this. Just this sentence of this case is seen as the most promising pathways for an eventual prosecution of Donald Trump. And, you know, for that, it's newsworthy. <laughs> but guess what? We will keep you updated on it. So those are the top stories of the week. And we have an episode for y'all tomorrow, an interview episode with an amazing guest. We do. We have Iris Harvey coming on the show, and she is talking to us all about the ballot measure that is underway in Ohio to protect reproductive freedom. So well, get ready, get prepped, get excited, subscribe or follow in advance so you'll get the notification when it goes live. Indeed. Subscribe, rate, review, follow. Oh, and please, please do subscribe to our newsletter, the GovHub newsletter, which has action items, resources, and all that stuff. Just go to girlonthegov.com or go to the description here. It takes two seconds, and then you're going to have, like, all the good stuff right to your inbox every week. We originally were doing It's literally, like, everything we do put right into one newsletter for you weekly so you can stay updated on those action items that we post on Instagram and the reads, the must-reads, all the things. So if there is a day that you maybe miss one of our stories or, you know, don't catch that action item, it's going to be in the newsletter. So sign up so you don't miss a thing. And also follow us on social media, of course, if you're not yet. We have two Instagrams, Girl on the Gov and Girl on the Gov the podcast, as well as TikTok, at Girl and the Gov. So yeah, and then of course, as always, an amazing action item that you can do right now to continue your civic engagement and those around you is to share this podcast with your friends because not only will you be just, you know, giving them an incredible podcast with two just brilliant 
young ladies who are really funny. So funny. You will also be sharing the gift of civic engagement and hopefully kicking off one of your friends' civic engagement journey with us. What I love about that, it's a free gift. It's a literally free, a free gift. And it also is a gift that has impact and that you can be proud of doing. So, I mean, are you sold yet? But we'll be talking to you all tomorrow. Toodaloo and happy Tuesday. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.